just being a little positive. Come on, man, keep your head up. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. It ain't the end of the world. You're going to be all right. Come on. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just something that what we need to do. And it helps people out. Let's take the limits of God off and let's watch and see what happens. What if you became a positive person and everything you went through in life, you begin to look at it positively instead of negative? Amen. Hallelujah. Let me ask you this. <laughs> it takes the same energy to be negative as it does positive. But it's just something that happens when you're positive. I mean, I see people all the time, and I mean, it's like, I mean, I work with, with sinners, like many of y'all do. I work with people that are lost, and I just think sometimes, man, they look so sad. They look so down, and I'm just going, man, for what? Man, we got another day to live, you know? I've been through a divorce. I've lost two dogs. That should have got way more applause. Ooh, <laughs> you know? I've had hard time. I've seen my wife go through one of the most difficult times of her life I've had opportunities to be down but you know I will say this that every time I went through that kind of situation by the grace of God it drew me closer to God it drew me closer it was a hunger in me to say no devil you're a liar I might have messed up I might have failed but that ain't the end of my story I'm going to continue to march and I'm going to tell you something God has really ministered in my life financially uh, healing, all kinds of areas. And it's not because of who I am. It's because of who he is. But I continue to put my faith in him. I mean, guys, look, in our own ability and in who we are, we're nothing. In the grand scheme of things, we are nothing, the Bible says. We amount to nothing. We are nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing without God. Amen. But with God. That's the but. But with God, we can do some things. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. If you're turning your Bibles to Matthew 19, verse 23. Hallelujah. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Then the disciples were caught off guard. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished. Not just astonished, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God, say it with me, all things are possible. Amen. With God, all things are... Does anybody know the definition of all? Any, you know, kids? Everything? All. What's the definition? That's a good one. What's Anybody else? All, everything. It don't change, right? In every language, in every country, all means all. God. Everything's possible with God. Everything, okay? He goes on to say in Mark 9, verse 23, he says, says it again. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, what? All things are possible to him who believes. Says it again in Mark 10, 27. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For God, for with God all things are possible. With God all things are possible. Without God all things are not possible. Without God, all things are not possible. That means the reality is, is when you're facing a situation in your life, the only way you're going to get through some things in life is with God. Amen. Medicine, doctors, they run out. Banks, they run out. There's limitations on this world. There's only certain things that can get you certain places and only so far. But with God, all things are possible. With God. With God. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care an addiction. I don't care a habit. I don't care what sickness. Does. I don't care what you're going through. With God, all things are possible. With God. We live in a world of limits, and we see them all the time. We have a limited time, ability, a limited strength. We have limited resources. We have limited provision. We are limited in what we can do. That's why I tell husbands and wives all the time, don't put pressure on one another to be the need meter. Right. You can't do it. I can't supply all of her needs. I can't be the great provider that gives her everything she, her heart's desire is. Are you kidding me? That's not on my resume. That's on his resume. Our job as followers of his is to look to him. Now, I got my part to play. I'm not going to be lazy and sit around and do nothing but the reality is, God is the provider. Amen? God is the healer. God is the sustainer. But we're limited on this earth. We do have limitations. Y'all do know that, right? Have y'all ever found that out? 
There's just some things you can't pick up, right? <laughs> you got to call for a little help. There's sometimes you, some, some things you just don't have time to do because you got a limited amount of time. There's some things you just don't have enough money. <clears throat> God, if I just had a few more hundred dollars. Cody's probably thinking, man, if I just had a few extra hundred dollars to buy them tires. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you can have it before the end of the service. That's the thing with God. We stay connected to the great I am. Amen? Amen. But sometimes we do. We are limited in what we have. And I believe God meant it to be that way. He wants you to look at him. He's a daddy that is limitless. He has no limits on him. Hallelujah. What would our life look like if we took the limits off of God? What would your life, what would my life look like if we took the limits off of God? And you may say, well, I'm not really doing that. Well, no, no, no. Whether you're saved or whether you're not saved. If you're not saved, you've took, you're limiting God as your Savior. You're not allowing Him to be your Savior. If, you're, if you are saved, sometimes we limit God in helping us with our finances, helping us with our healing, helping us in areas of our life. Sometimes we just, our kids, maybe they're not all going to church and serving Jesus. Well, we try to help God out. Now, God says, give it to me. I'll take care of these things, okay? I'm bigger than you, and I can do more than you can do. But did you know God don't just step into your life and do it because he's God? Nuh-uh, he don't. And we're going to talk about that today. Because it takes us and him. We're a team, guys. He's elected for it to be that way. Well, there's a story in the Bible about a young man named David. You ever heard of David? I'm going to look at this story again. David and Goliath, okay? And I believe this story in the Bible is not there so we can just say, Wow, what an awesome thing David did. What a big giant he overcame. No, no, we're going to grab some things out of this, and I want you to lean in because we're going to talk about some things because some of y'all are facing giants in your life. Some of y'all are facing some giants in your life, and it could be the giant of depression. Oh, that depression's got his big, you know, uh, armor on, and he's, hey, you are going down. You ain't no good. You're awful. It could be sickness. It could be lack. It could be a, no job. It could be a sickness. It, whatever it could be, we all have Goliaths of different kind. And let's look at this story, and let's just get some stuff out of it that I believe that, that the Lord has for us. But he was a shepherd boy that watched his father's sheep. David was a young man that loved God with all his heart, and he must have been spending quality time with him while doing his job. While watching the sheep, he had a bear and a lion come out and grab one of his sheep. What's the devil come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? We got a young man named David. He's not being seen at all. Okay? There was a king named Saul that was appointed by God over the nation of Israel. Okay? Saul got wacky. He got a little crazy. Decided he wasn't going to obey God like many of us do sometimes. Amen? And it don't work out too well. Well, it didn't for him. The Spirit of God was removed off Saul, and then God told Samuel, go to Jesse's house in Bethlehem, and I want you to anoint for me a king. He didn't tell him the name of the guy. He just said, go to Jesse's house. Well, Jesse had eight sons. Well, Jesse brought his seven sons to the table. Number eight just wasn't really cut out. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he's watching sheep, all right? He's not really, he's not at their standard. So, so what did Jesse do? He brought his sons there, and Samuel walked past the first one, and Samuel, even in his own thinking, said, whoa, <laughs> got to be him. <laughs> I mean, this dude's big. I mean, he's built like me. Just kidding. But he's built, okay? He's built like a rock, and he's thinking on the outside. But, you know, the Scripture says that God don't look at the outside. God looks at the heart, okay? So God's heart's out there watching sheep. But we ain't got there yet. So he walks down all sevens of his sons, and he looks at Jesse. He says, Jesse, no, no, the Lord ain't said none of these. Do you have another son? He said, yeah, I, I got one. He, he's out there, you know, watching sheep. He said, well, call him. We're going to wait till he gets here. Now, you know these seven sons. How many of y'all got, you know, brothers and sisters and all in the house? You know what I'm saying? You're thinking, whoa, dog, you ain't pick me? <laughs> that what? I mean, this ain't right. I mean, I've been working out all my life, man. Ooh, I got guns, man. I'm big. I can do this, man. So they waited. David shows up. Samuel anoints him. God says, this is my man right here. See, God's looking at some of you guys, and he's saying, you are my daughter. You are my son. And the same spirit that was with David as he was out there in those sheep looked like he wasn't even going to be counted, wasn't even going to be noticed. Who noticed him? See, he wasn't trying to get the front seat. He wasn't trying to, to get the applause. He wasn't trying to get the approval. He wasn't trying to, you know, be seen by anybody. 
other than God. You are his son and you are his daughter. He's anointed you to be the king of your life. And this is what the story represents, okay? So he anoints David as king. Well, king, uh, you know, that would probably, you'd develop an ego, right? If I came in and said, Cody, the Lord has anointed you king of the United States of America. Well, see, right off the bat, Nairobi would be thinking, whoa, cha-ching, whoa, here we come, yeah, okay? But Cody would have the potential to get the big head, would he not? Get swelled up in pride. Oh, really? Ooh, all right. Man, them sheep take a hike. I'm getting ready to run this nation. Well, you know, David went back to helping his father. Watching the sheep, doing his natural duties, because he was a humble man. That's how he got picked. Humility is the key to success with God. It's you getting out of the way. And sometimes that takes work for us to get out of the way. God wants to promote all of us. He wants to exalt all of us in this room, but he wants to do it, not you, okay? So he goes back out, and he's working with his sheep and everything, and, uh, and again, evidently he was spending time with God because the impossibilities of killing a lion and bear became possible as he looked at that situation. How many of y'all would be out in the yard and a bear come and grab your dog and take off and you go, that's on now, dog, that joker's going down. I don't care how big he is. Or a big lion comes in, grabs your cat. No, grabs your dog, okay? Grabs your dog and takes off. Are you going to just rise up and jump off the back deck, go shooting through the woods and say, no, you don't. You better give me my dog. And then you're going to catch that bear and you're going to grab his beard and you're going to kill him with your hands right there. Say, but don't you be touching my dog no more. Let's go. Come on, Poochie. Come on, Fluffy. Come on, we got to go home. There ain't none of y'all and me is going to see a big lion come over to the fence and grab a dog and you're going to have the thought, I'm going to get him. No, no. You're going to go grab 911. Hey, man. The lion just came through my yard. Hey, can y'all get him? He's got my dog. Okay? We ain't chasing him down. But remember, he's been anointed king. The spirit left Paul. I mean, left Saul. Now it's on David. David looked at that bear and he looked at that, uh, that lion and said, no, 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 no. Devil, you ain't taking mine. It's on. So he jumped down and went and got that bear in that line, and he grabbed him and he killed him by the Spirit of God. You know, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you right now. That if the devil comes at your house, he comes where you're at, and he tries to steal something from you, you have the right. You have been anointed. You are filled with the Spirit to tell the devil, get his hands off your stuff. You ain't taking my kids. You ain't taking my job. You ain't taking my help. You can stand up at this stuff. Amen? This is what this story's here for. Is here to let us know that we have the same spirit. And the devil that was in the form of a bear and a lion, I guess the devil just decided to get on a bear and a lion. <laughs> Come on, boys, let's go steal some stuff. Well, it didn't work out too well for those two lions. And it shouldn't work out that well for any of you guys in here. If the devil steals something, don't you go crawl up in a hole. Don't you start going backwards and retreating. No, you. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but we do against powers and principalities and devils and demons. They ain't taking what belongs to us. You know, some people say, well, you know, Nathan, it, it, just, it, was, it wasn't this hard when I was a sinner. I didn't have it this rough. And I, and I look at all these pop stars, these rap stars, and all these actors, and I look at all my friends. Sometimes they just, they're partying, they're having a good time, they're enjoying life, they got money, they got stuff, and it looks like everything's going well with them. Does it not? I mean, am I telling the truth? It looks like sometimes those that don't have Christ seem to be doing well in life. Why is that, Pastor Nathan? Well, let me let you in on something. They're not facing resistance. They are going with the flow. The devil's already got them, so he don't care how rich they get, how well off they are, and the bottom line is, is if they do do well in life, and they do look like they have everything, and they do become popular with everybody, they still could forfeit their soul. That's the part you won't see. That'll be the part that'll be gone. We talked about it two weeks ago about the horrors of hell. You had the rich man that died. You had the poor beggar that died. What was the rich man? He was probably known throughout the town, right? And even when he died, he was probably still talked about. Oh, man, that guy had it going on. Man, he had some good stuff. But his soul is gone. It's done away with. So, yes, if you're serving Jesus, you're going to be facing resistance from the devil. He's trying to come and steal and kill and destroy. He's trying to come get your sheep. He's trying to come get your stuff. He's trying to come get your kids and your health. But guess what? You can't have it because we have the greater one on the inside of us. But yes, if you're following Jesus, you will face resistance. 
If you're not following Jesus, you will not face resistance. That's the devil's plan. He wants you to think they're doing good. They ain't doing good. I'm doing good. I've partied. I've did all that stuff. And I can tell you right now on this side, I'm still partying. I'm still, you think this personality don't go to Panama City and have fun. Are you kidding me? I go to Daytona Beach. I'm on the beach having fun. I do fun things. Why? Because I serve God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. He began to see limits taken off of things in his life. When we look at things through our lens, it can be impossible. But when we look at things through God's lens, all things become possible. But the only way you're going to put on His lens is you've got to spend time with Him. You know, God don't ask much. Give 10%. Spend time with me. He asks very little of creation, but He gives such a great return on it. I mean, if God would have asked for 50%, I could have seen this all having a question mark. Like, hey, man, you get a little greedy there, right? Or 60% or 70%. He asked for 10% of your time, your talent, and your treasure. He wants 10% of your life, not just money. I mean, the church in America just trips over dollars. But we'll go give every Tom, Dick, and Harry all kinds of money. But when it comes to God, whoa, what you doing? Watch out now. I'm just saying, guys. Your return on investment with your money, your time, and your talent Will ever, it will outweigh anything else in your life. God brings forth a great return in His kingdom. You and I have been invited to be a part of a great kingdom. We've been invited to sit in heavenly places with Christ and see things from a vantage point that no other person can see that's not following Christ. But unfortunately for Christ's followers, we tend to don't accept that responsibility. We forfeit it during the week on other natural things. We give ourselves away to things that are not going to help our situation get any better. And I can tell you guys, man, we know the deal. Social media, YouTube, a lot of these things, guys, they are okay. But if you don't watch it, your whole week can be invested in that. And in a time of need, when you need faith from Almighty God, you reach into your bank, uh, uh, you know, the kingdom of God bank to reach and get faith, and it ain't there. You're looking at things through the world's lens. You're accepting what the world's going to tell you to accept. But if we'll be full of faith, we'll be full of God, we'll put on His glasses and we'll see it the way David saw things. Saw that bear and that lion. I mean, dude, in your right mind, you don't chase bears and lions, guys. It don't happen. I don't care how many YouTube videos you pull up, you will not find a man or a woman getting off their bike and a grizzly bear's coming to them and saying, it's on, dog, I'm chasing you. Come here. No, ain't happening. You'll see that guy on his bike. He's trying to get away. I mean, it's true. I mean, you got one guy in Australia. Now, he has a bunch of lines. Now, I mean, he's different, okay? That's different. I don't know what he's got. He's doing something crazy. I don't know. He's got them all mesmerized. <laughs> they drunk, I guess. I don't know what's going on. But I'm just saying, we ain't chasing no lion and bear. David was full of something that God, through Jesus Christ, was trying to fill every follower of his with. And that is the spirit of the living God. The devil ain't scared of you. But when you tap into the Spirit of God and you tap into Jesus Christ and what He's done and who He is, that's when the enemy gets nervous. But you've got to stick with it. Like I've said over and over, give God time. The things we go through, the things we ask Him to change, it don't just happen overnight. You've got to give Him time. And I promise you, it will happen. David was faced again with a situation that wasn't a bear and a lion, but he was faced with, with something that was affecting his whole nation. Now, he had done being graduated from, from the pasture. Now, he's getting ready to step on the center stage to save his nation from a bear and a lion. This time, it was going to be Goliath. He wasn't ready to face a Goliath before the bear and the lion. Every test and every trial we go through is an opportunity for us to pass it and to move on to greater things. Not greater bad things, greater good things. But as we're trying to get to that next level of faith, that next level of victory, the enemy don't want you to get there. So what didn't work first on the first trial, he's going to try to come again and try to do it again and maybe add a little bit extra to it to get you to cave in. His ultimate goal is to get Christians to fold up. 
and to put it in a, a, a suitcase and just call it quits. That's what he's banking on. But every time you pass that test, greater is he that's on the inside of you than he's well. That means every time you start facing something, you start looking at it and say, oh, yeah, I recognize this. It's on. Oh, I, I overcame this. And you're able to call back what God did. Amen? And that's what we see with David. David was getting ready to face Goliath. So Saul said, you know, because he goes and he, he takes some cheese and some food to his brothers, the three brothers that didn't get picked to be king. You know, they were so excited about seeing David bring them some food. Hey, guys, I want to bring you all a little snack. Well, David did that, and he overheard that Goliath saying some defiling things about God, saying some things. So David got roused up, and he said, whoa, 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 who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this that's saying these things? And one of the soldiers said, hey, dude, have you heard? <laughs> got good news. Whoever defeats that guy right there, they get the king's wife and the house. Don't have to pay taxes. Now, that would have probably moved some of y'all. Even if you'd have died when you heard the word don't pay taxes, you probably would have took off down the hill and not even know what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> one of two things is either you're going to get him or you're going to die, which rather you'd almost rather die than pay taxes sometimes. So, I mean, you, it's a no-lose no situation. But he heard that, and it was something that got in him. But it was more than just the fact that it was the king's wife or it was the no taxes. Okay? There was something that got roused up in him like when he saw the bear and the lion. He saw this idiot talking about his country and his God. But I want you to notice something. The whole army of Israel is on the bank looking at this guy. The Bible says they were scared. They were terrified. And then you got this guy coming out to be positive. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-uh. That ain't going to work. So what they do? They grabbed David and brought him before Saul. Okay? And Saul said, okay, what's this I hear, man? You, you, you want to do it? He said, look, man. I, the, the bear came out and took one of my sheep. The lion came out, and I, I whipped him. And I, I'll do the same thing, Saul. King, you let me go. I'll take care of this. And the king said, okay, all right, all right, okay. Yeah, well, here, take my armor. You remember that when he said, take my armor? And he tried to put on Saul's armor. So he, no, this ain't going to work. I didn't have this when I got the bear and the lion. I mean, I got to get rid of this stuff. So he tossed all that stuff off because he wasn't familiar with it. He wasn't used to it. And that is a form of the world trying to tell us how to serve God, how to look at situations in life. Hey, you need to put this on. You need to do this. You need to do that. No, no, no. Tell me what I need to do. This is telling me what I need to do right here. And this is what was telling David what to do. But there was a champion, Goliath, and I kind of uh, went through that. He was taunting the God of Israel. The Israel army was scared of the giant. David came to bring his brothers some food and, and, and heard uh, Goliath taunting the Israel. Something happened on the inside of David when he heard Goliath. He was ready to take him out. I believe that he heard God say, Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Hallelujah. Remember who you are. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. I said that in my study. I'm going, remember who you are. I like it. Man, does that do something for y'all when y'all watch Lion King? I mean, don't they just turn you on? Like, whoa, man, come on. Let's go get him, Simba. Yeah, go, baby, go. Hallelujah. But he said, remember the lion and the bear. This is no different than that. David got fired up, and let's see what happened when David took the limits off God. Now, I want you to put yourself in this situation, because some of y'all in this room, if not, you will face a giant in your life, if you're not currently, okay? That's just part of being a Christian. That's why serving God is not for wimps. If you're looking for an easy way out of life, don't come to Christianity. Because it ain't going to happen. If you serve God with your whole heart, you're going to face some trials and tribulations. You're going to face some struggles. But that's good. That's okay. We got God on our side. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel 17. We're going to pick it up. We're going to read a little bit of Bible today. Hallelujah. It says, Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had. And his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came out and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. <laughs> this shield was so big he had to have somebody else carry it for Goliath. Goliath is a mammoth of a man. His sword was huge. And we got a little boy with a little slingshot coming down through here, okay? This guy is a massive man that has paralyzed the whole army. That's huge, man. He says, the Philistine also, oh, let's see. Wait a minute, let me tell you, I don't want to miss it here, okay? And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained. 
him. Huh, what is this? He's only a youth, ruddy, and I don't know why they got good looking in there. Why do you <laughs> handsome, good looking? I'm in the amplifiers. You know, the amplifier kind of adds a little <laughs> good looking. The Philistine said to David, I am, uh, am I a dog that you come to me with a shepherd's staff? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, And this is what you need to say to the devil. You've got to stand up. Because the devil's talking to many of y'all. Have you ever had the devil talk to you and whisper in your ear? Oh, you're not going to get healed this time. You're not going to make it this time. Oh, you're going down this time. You're not going to make it. Okay? I mean, these are the things he says to us. And then David said, uh, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut your head off. And I will give the corpse of the army of the Philistine this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that this entire assembly may know that the Lord does not save with sword or with spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will hand you over to us. What battle you go through belongs to you. None. No battle that you go through belongs to you. It's meant to give to the Lord because He can deliver you out of that. When the Philistine rose and came forward to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Man, we got a big time battle going on. Obviously, the Philistines were probably coming with Goliath. You know you got to have them guys, Israel, going, oh my gosh, are you kidding me, though? Bob, Joe, they didn't have names like that. Hezekiah, Ezekiel, I mean, they had those names. You see what I see? This little kid is going out there, that big man. Are you kidding me, guys? Really? Do you think the army of Israel jumped up and got behind David? No. Uh-uh. If anything, they're going, man, I got $100. <laughs> Says he don't even make it across the creek. How about you, dog? I mean, come on. You know that. They're human. Ain't nobody following that ruddy kid that's handsome. <laughs> Ain't nobody following him. I know I wouldn't. I mean, if I've been scared for all these months and then all of a sudden a little kid comes running out of the crowd, whoo, you're going down. I'm going, uh, no, you going down, dog. Matter of fact, let me go ahead and shoot you before you get over there. That way it ain't so embarrassing. I'm serious. I mean, you know, they were human people, man. Sometimes we read the Bible and think they were all just, hit. oh, yes, glory to God. Let's go. Nah, man, they're people. They talk just like we do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So David put his hand in his bag. And took out a stone and he slung it. I'm sure when they saw his hand going into the bag, that was probably another. Oh, what is he doing? Man? Come on. And it struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone penetrated his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck down the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. At this point, hey, Hezekiah, Ezekiel. Woo! That's my man right there. I love King David. I mean, David. Sorry, Saul. Uh, David. We love David, okay? I mean, you know he had a great following that day, right? he become a hero in one day. But it wasn't because of them. It was because of the Spirit of God on the inside of him. And had the Spirit of God not been inside of him and it not rose up, he would have never done what he did. And see, guys, when we face situations, we have two roads to travel. We either can travel God's road or our road. God's road is going to give you deliverance. Your road is not going to give you deliverance. It's going to keep you right where you're at. You know, um, David took the limits off God, and God did the impossible. God wants to do the impossible things for you and me. We have to take the limits off. But what limits God from moving in our lives? What limits God from moving in our lives? Huh? Casting? Asking? What limits God? Us? Why don't you like to have a little time where everybody talks back to you? you know, it ain't a trick question, Belinda. She always says when I ask her a question, she says it's going to be a trick. It ain't a trick question. But you need to know this. You need to know what stops God or what limits God in your life. What would you say? Say it again. Fear. Fear. Unbelief. You get these things, these components operating in your life. It stops God from moving. It ain't my words, it's his words. Matthew 13, 58. 
And he did not do many miracles there in Nazareth because of their what? Unbelief. Wait a minute. You mean there's something that can stop God in his tracks? Yep. Unbelief. Matthew 14, 31. Immediately Jesus extending his hand and called him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? That was Peter walking on the water. He was actually doubting and he was starting to sink. Unbelief, doubt, fear. I don't have fear listed on here, but those three elements actually stop God from moving in your life. That's why it's so critical. Remember Jairus and his daughter that was dead and they had the woman with the issue of blood come out of the crowd and stop Jesus from going to, to uh, 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 his house. Cyrus, uh, is it Cyrus? I'm getting all. Y'all need to help me preach. I told you, y'all don't come to church and just sit there and look at me. I need help. Amen. Sometimes I get everybody looking at me like, what's next? But anyway, his daughter was dead, okay, or his daughter was dying, and, and, and the woman with the issue of blood came out, okay, and she stopped Jesus from pursuing to go to uh, Jairus's house. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, but then while he's ministering to the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus's friends, you know you got to have friends like this, hey, bro, don't bother the master no more. Your daughter's dead. Wow, that's edifying. <laughs> Been wanting to hear that all day. And what did Jesus do? He turned and he looked at him and he said, Fear not, only believe. Amen. If he would have got in fear, it would have stopped Jesus. Guys, there's going to be times, and I know I'm talking to, <laughs> I've walked through this. There's going to be times when your knees are knocking and you don't know what to do. There's going to be times where you're looking at things in your life and you don't know what to do, what to say, or how to say it. You shut up, you lift your hands up. And you just praise God. You call on the one that can change that situation. But if you get in doubt and unbelief, you're not going to get the outcome you wanted. And it won't be God's fault. We see that doubt and unbelief stop God from working in our lives. These are enemies that put limits on God. Jesus encouraged the disciples with these words. Now check this out. In Mark eleven twenty two through 24, Jesus was encouraging his disciples. He said, have faith in God constantly. Not sometimes. That means, you know, I don't want you to get on fire for God. Woo! I love Jesus. Woo! God's good. Woo! And then a week later, we just dried up like a prune. I'm going after God, man. I tell you what, I went to church today, man. Fire me up. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray, man. I'm a devil in hell. Where, where you at, devil? I'm looking for some devils, man. Come on, devil. I mean, you, you just fired up. Go to work. Talk about Jesus. Woo! God's good, man. And then over time, we just kind of weather away. Wither away. Y'all can help me in church, David. Uh, pastor, wither. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> but we do. Have you ever noticed that? I know it ain't happened to none of y'all. Okay? It's happened to me. <laughs> it's happened. Keeping that fire and that passion constantly, constantly having faith in God. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited, how much power? unlimited power but believes that what he says is going to take place it will be done for him in accordance with God's will for this reason I am telling you whatever things you ask for in prayer in accordance with God's will believe with confident trust that you have received them and they will be given to you who said that Jesus said that not Nathan Jesus said that what you say and what you believe has everything to do with what you receive Everything to do with it. That's not the words of Nathan. That's the words of the one you serve. Your words carry weight. Your words are either delivering you what you really want or they're delivering you what you don't really want. That's why when you're being pushed, you're being pressured, watch what comes out of your mouth. Because what you say will, can, and will be used against you in the court of law in heaven. Remember, Nathan says all the time, I'm getting you prepared for a court date. We all got a court date. We're all going to court one day. Hallelujah. You didn't know it? Oh, okay, I'm subpoenaing all y'all. Y'all going to court one day, okay? You're going to stand before your master and Lord. Whether you've served him or whether you don't, you're going to court. Then when you get to court, you want the judge to look at you and go, whoo, forgiven. Boo, get on in here. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? But either way, guys, we're preparing for something. But on the earth, we have, a, we have an opportunity to demonstrate the power of God. I mean, we have a couple here. We got Mr. Caliber getting ready to go have a surgery. Okay? What they say can and will be used against their son. 
because they're the overseers of his soul right now. Okay, they oversee him along with the grandparents and everybody else in this room, okay? They're getting ready to walk into an operating room where he's getting ready to. They're not. <laughs> Hallelujah. I often see my wife. She'd be getting told off to the operating room. I'd be feeling bad. I'm, going, I'm getting ready to go over and have me a biscuit and gravy or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wasn't. I was praying. I was praying over the biscuit and gravy. <laughs> They'll be praying the whole time. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, here they, they're going back with needles stuck all in them. <laughs> Bye, baby. I love you. I'll see you later. I'm going, wow. Hallelujah. But anyway, he's going to be going back there. And he's going to be having a surgery. And, and what they say, that's why I'm not a fan of posting things on Facebook or anywhere else. I don't want people saying the wrong things. I don't. Why? Because caliber's special. We've got to protect. I've got to protect. Now, after it's all over, you can say what you want to. My son's out. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's gone. But the, the, the deal is, guys, We've got to align our words up with God so God can move on our behalf. And the only way we can do that is we've got to take limits off of God. And how do we take limits off of God? Through our believing and trusting Him. Just trusting. You ain't got to do nothing. You don't have to work nothing up. You don't have to try to, you know, well, I'm going to be better this week. I was bad. No, 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 no. Forget all that. Hit the reset button and say, I'm believing you, God. I'm trusting you. I believe you're going to move. The doctor comes out of the room and he says something crazy. Thank you, Doc. Bye, Doc. Father, I thank you. My son will live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. Your hand is in there. Your hand is working. You stay in faith when everybody around you is in doubt. Do you think for one minute that when David stood up and said, Hey, I take that guy. I'll wipe him out. Let's go. He didn't get an applause. That, that whole mountain was full of doubt and unbelief. They were scared out of their living mind. There's going to be people in your life that are not going to see it the way God sees it or His Word sees it. That can't stop you. We've got to stay true. We've got to be the David in the midst of the giant, and we've got to be willing to run at him because you're going to have a lot of people patting you on the back when it's done. Oh, great job, Kurt. Great job, Christy. Woo! Man, we're standing with y'all. God's good. But I'm going to tell you something. When you stand up and say, man, the devil's not going to take my life. I know they said I got cancer, but he's not going to take my life. I'm going to live and not die to declare the word. I'm living. I'm not going to die. I mean, people look at you like... Oh, bless his heart. He's, he's out of there somewhere. He's messed up. He's not a religious nut. Y'all pray for him, guys. That's what they're going to say. But is that going to dictate? Is that going to stop you from believing in a holy God and a just God and a good God? Are you going to take the limits off God? The reason why Christians do not serve God with excitement all the days of their life is because they limit God. They limit Him. If you've seen God every day in your life, you would never want to go anywhere else. Bless you. You would never want to go anywhere else. I mean, you wouldn't. Man, God is a God of air. Man, God is your Father and He is limitless. Guess what? He has unlimited mercy. He has unlimited forgiveness. Did you know you ain't never going to go to God and forgive me? Oh, man, dude, I'm out. Unlimited forgiveness. Unlimited resources. Unlimited healing, goodness, provision, protection, patience, love, peace. God is limited. and he Limitless. And He is your Father. God is all we knew. I want to just end it with this right here. God told us, I'm going to read some scriptures to you real quick. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask, dare ask and think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all, how many? All, th-. everybody say all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Philippians 4.19, and my God will liberally supply, fill unto full your what? Every need. I don't care what it is, God will supply it. Well, you ain't saved up for retirement. You know when you retire, God's going to look down on you, and it's over. You're done. You're not going to get a Social Security check. You're done. That's it. God's provision ran out. Done. You're hopeless. I guess that's it. See, that's what the world wants us to believe. 
They put more value investing in 401k, stock market, and all that than they do investing in the kingdom of God. I can tell you right now, brothers and sisters, you're looking at one soul that will never lack for anything. Never. And it ain't because I've invested into this world. And I'm not against that. You should I mean, be led by the Spirit and do it. It's okay. I'm not saying it's wrong. My daddy will never see me do without. I invest in the kingdom of God on a regular basis. I've given 10% of my income and more for 30 plus years of my life. And you're going to tell me that my investment in my daddy's kingdom is not going to bring me any return at all. That when I reach a certain age, my daddy's going to say, sorry, dog. I can't help you no more. Uh-uh. Your God will take care of you all the days of your life. You'll never Quit worrying about what you're going to have and what you ain't going to have when you retire. Jesus may come back in another year anyway. We don't even need it. Don't put your trust in the things on this earth. They can be took away from you real quick. Real quick. Hallelujah. And I'm not against investing. Invest, invest. We invest. We get you invest, okay? <laughs> Some people get squirrely. What's he doing? No, no, no. We're all, it gets good. It's good. I'm just saying, don't put your faith in that and don't put your no faith in God's kingdom. I mean, if you're just worried, worried about a 401k and all this right here, but you don't give a dime to God's kingdom, I would be concerned. <laughs> I would be concerned if I was you, okay? Because we've seen in 2008 a lot of people's 401k went, okay? This world can let you down, okay? I can tell you that right now. Oh, man, I'm good. I got $500,000 in my 401k. Oh, yeah, you can wake up in the morning and have zero in your 401k. Hallelujah. First John 4, 4 says this, little children, believers, and dear ones, you are of God and you belong to him and have already overcome them the agents of the Antichrist, because he who is in you is greater than he, Satan, who is in the world. I'm telling you guys, the devil don't want you to know who you are. He likes to keep you down and under. He wants you to look at Christianity as a weakness. You are greater than him. The greater one's inside of you. Romans 8.11 says this, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. God is limitless, and He is our Father. So let's take the limits off of God in our lives. Let's take the limits off. What if you just lived, man, just completely sold out to God? I mean, you gave Him everything. You didn't look to this world for any help whatsoever, that all your help came from God. What if you just abandoned yourself? And saying, God, I'm going to trust you. You know, there's people that are all over the world that live in countries to where they don't have a 401k. They don't have a retirement fund. They don't have a hospital to go to. When they get sick, they can't go look up no drug. They can't Google. Even if they did, they ain't nowhere to go get it. <laughs> I'm just telling you. We have got to live dependent on God. I mean, I know with Kurt and Christy, like with Ray and, and Belinda and J-Rod and many of you guys that have, have went through a surgery process, when they take you and we're watching our loved one go, they don't have cameras in the operating room where we can kind of zoom in on our phone and say, okay, oh, wow, yeah, they're doing a really good job. Yeah, oh, they're praying. Wow, praise God. No, we don't have that. We don't have that. They're in the hands of men and women. And I want to tell you something. They need your faith at that moment more than you could ever, ever imagine. I mean, some people are against doctors and medicine and all that. I'm not against it. I think they're trying to do the same thing the Word of God's trying to do, and let's get you better. So we're for it. But I'm saying this, we never, ever stop saying and believing and trusting our God. If you want to see a good outcome. I mean, I remember two years ago when I saw her, and she was in a position that wasn't that good. At that point in our lives, guys, and I know I say this all the time, but it's, it's like, a, it's like a, a, a memorial that I've built. I'll never forget it. No more than they forget the birth of Caliber. No more than they'll forget this right here. It's, it's a memorial. J-Rod will never forget. It's a memorial. And I say you talk about it forever. If somebody says, man, you say that too much. Okay, let me say it again. You know, I needed a kidney, and God brought me a kidney. Hell yeah, yeah. I mean, you just go ahead and preach it. You tell the world. I don't care if they don't want to hear it. We're going to talk about his goodness. But this right here, I saw the devil try to take her out. And then I saw God completely restore her life. Did it happen overnight? No. Your situation won't turn around overnight. Trust God. 
Maybe you've been abandoned by a husband. Maybe you've been abandoned by a wife. Maybe, maybe, maybe you lost your job. I don't care. You hang on to God, and I promise you your life will be better in the days ahead than it is right now. I promise you it will. We don't look to this world to meet our needs. We don't look to no individual to meet our needs. Our God will meet every need we need all the time. Amen? Band, y'all need to be running up here. Hallelujah. Come on. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Let's get on up here, band. Come on. Hallelujah. Move it, move it, move it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Make me break, break out an old song. Look what the Lord has done or something. I'm mean, running around, man. God's good, man. Okay? God is good. And you may be in this room today, and you may need somebody to pray with you. You may need somebody to pray with you. You know, I prayed before I came to church today, and I said, Holy Spirit, work through me to your people. I mean, guys, I'm not inviting you to come up here and pray so this amazing man of God with this amazing anointing can come on you. And, 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 no, no, that's not it. It's not about me. God wants to meet you where he's at. I didn't write the book. I just obeyed the book. And the Bible says if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's what Jesus said, right? He told us to cast out demons. I hope I don't have to do that today. Okay, I hope we're good on the demon part. We're good? Anybody got some demons in here? We'll take care of it. Brandon, come over here and help me. Hallelujah. We'll go after this thing. Glory to God. But no, the Bible says what it means. It means what it says. So if you're in this room today and you're experiencing sickness and you need somebody to pray for you, I'm just going to lay my hand on you as a point of contact. And I believe that God will touch your body and heal your body right now, right here. And if that's you, I want you to be bold. Come on up. Don't be ashamed. Hallelujah. God wants to heal you. I mean, I guarantee if you're in the waiting room and they call your name, uh, Blenda, you need to come on back. Blenda ain't going to go, oh, no, man. <laughs> no, no, man. I don't know what y'all going to think about me. <laughs> oh, I don't know. No. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and you'll sit down and whatever that doctor tells you to do, you'll do it. Jesus is here. To heal your body. Maybe it's not a sickness of the natural body. Maybe it's a spiritual sickness. Maybe you're lost today. Maybe you don't know Christ, which is the greatest sickness of all. Jesus would love to fill that void in your life and come in and be your Savior. But you know what? You've got to take that step. And if that's you in this room and you say, I've never, ever asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, today can be your day. And I want you to be bold. Go ahead and come on up here. We're going to pray with you. Be bold. Don't be shy. Let the devil know you mean business. I think sometimes we're creating people to, 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 to be shy in church and stuff like that. No, man, if you're going to stand up for Christ, you need to do it here. Do it here first. Because <laughs> I can guarantee you out there, you're going to have some lions and bears growling at you. But if you're here today and you want to receive Christ, maybe you're here today and you say, Nathan, you know what? At one time I did receive Christ. But, you know, I kind of went my own way, started doing my own thing. And I want to come back. I've been living a, a carnal life, a life for my flesh, for me. And I want to come back home today. I want to make a new stand with Christ today. I want to make my faith public before everybody. And you want us to pray with you. Then I want you to go and come on up. We're going to pray with you. We're going to pray with you. Hallelujah. Coming back to Jesus, huh? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I love it. Now look, guys. If a special guest can come to church and hear the call of God, there's others in this room. You need to quit being ashamed of who you believe in. Y'all do. Some of y'all need to get bold. And some of y'all have been touched at one time by the Holy Spirit, by God, and it's been real, and you know it's been real. But you've let the cares of the world come in and choke you. Hallelujah. And it's time to make that right, man. This is enough from the devil. We ain't going to take this all our life. He's a liar. If i got to come to the altar every week, I'm going to come to the altar every week and give my life to Christ every week if I have to. Renew my life every week. Ask God to forgive me and move on. Amen. Friend, I'm telling you, we need His help. And if you're in this room and I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is here. Amen? Amen. And He wants to minister to you. But if we don't step out, He can't minister. Amen? Father, we love you today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to pray for these two right here.
But the good news is we ain't going to pray alone. Y'all all, all going to pray with us. So let's all stand. Because we're showing that we stand with these two, correct? They don't stand alone. I will say this about this family right here. We get more compliments of the love that you guys have. You guys are such a loving people. We're never going to quit being loving people. We're going to continue to love people. I mean, God brought this precious sister to this house today. She'd been wanting to come here for a while, but bam, here she is. She bumped into us at the Geranium Festival, right? Hallelujah. And she ended up coming. And look who met her here. Not Nathan. Not Belinda. The Holy Spirit. To give her what she needs. Same thing with Chris. We had him in the youth years ago. Hallelujah. Pam could have stayed home today. She could have went and did stuff. Chris could have got up and said, forget it, I ain't going to come. But guess who met Chris here? The Holy Spirit. Amen. And what's going to happen in these two individuals is the same thing that the Holy Spirit wants to happen into you. Some of you guys need to get your fire and passion back. The Bible needs to be something that we don't cover up, but we uncover and we get back into it. God is real and God wants to be real in your family, in your situation, and in your life. In everything you do, God wants to be magnified and wants to be real. And He's elected to do it through human vessels. That means if we don't abandon ourselves to God and let Him use us, God will never be seen to your family, to your friends, to your co-workers. Never. He wants to partner with us. So let's all just kind of join our hearts together. And I want you all to repeat after me. Along with them. And I want you all to repeat after me, okay? And it ain't the words that's going to save you. I believe that you guys stepping out and coming up to the front, you've already made the decision. The decision has already been made in your heart. Because it's a heart situation. We're just going to say some good confession to really express what's happened on the inside, right? That's all we're going to do. God drew you up here. God drew you up here. Amen? And God's not finished. He's began a good work in you guys. And He's only going to, to enhance that as we pray, okay? So let's all close our eyes and just say this after me. Say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I commit my life to you through Jesus and what Jesus did for me. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for empowering me to do what you've called me to do. So today, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Just put your hands up there and just worship Him. Just take a time.